Welcome to the Rock of Grace Warren podcast. I want to thank you for joining us. I hope this message inspires you. I hope it builds your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. If you would be honest this morning, you would say, sometimes that's how my life feels. Amen. That's sometimes how my life feels. Uh, I am in that category with you. Uh, And in this, so we are kicking off a series called On Rhythms. And sometimes uh, when it comes to rhythms in life, uh, I am not very good at them. And sometimes my children make me not good at them. And sometimes my life situations make me not good at them. But in life, there is a rhythm to everything that we do. Amen. And uh, I would dance for you this morning, but uh, I also have no rhythm. So uh, the, the dancing skills that, that you think are in this body or may think are in this body are, in fact, not in this body. Uh, I just went to a wedding over the weekend in Indianapolis, and, you know, uh, I'm a former youth pastor, so they think that, yeah, every, you know, I should always be the one doing the crazy stuff. And I'm like, I have gray hair, and I, now I work with adults. And they're like, get out there on the dance floor, you know, do it. It's not an Assembly of God church, so don't tell anybody. But anyways... <laughs> right. Uh, you know, I'm getting on. I'm like, I don't know. How, you know, this is it. You ever seen that movie Hitch? This is this is where I live. Just right. Mm-hmm. This is, I, see, even that's it doesn't even look good. Right. You know, why? because mine is that bass guitar. I have no other rhythm in high school. I'd like to tell you I played, you know, a, a, a nice, fun, you know, what they would call like a sexy instrument. No, I played the tuba. Yeah, that's it. All I got to do is play single notes most of the time. You know why? Because I don't have any rhythm. But I understand that rhythm is important, and I understand that getting into a healthy rhythm in our lives helps make us not just better people, but better followers of Jesus. And the name of the game at the end of the day is, I want my life, we want our lives to reflect Jesus. And so as we dive (coughs) into this series over the next several weeks, (coughs) we're going to be taking a look... (coughs) excuse me, how to get into a better rhythm in our life so that we can be better followers of Jesus, okay? And some of that is challenging. I'm not going to, you know, I I completely understand that sometimes the rhythms that I have are different than the rhythms that you have. You probably can dance. I cannot, right? You probably, you know, you get up. There are are people in this world that are very regimented. Uh, Her name is Shannon. Right, like I know, like you know, she helps with the worship leading around here, and I know that if I try to call Shannon after eight fifteen at night, there's a chance that Shannon has already gone to bed. Okay, <laughs> and so I just know that's her rhythm, right? How many of you know somebody that has certain rhythms that you're like, I can't follow that rhythm. My life doesn't fit into that rhythm. Anybody have somebody in their life like that, right? Like my, my rhythm is like, I hope to go to bed between like 10 and 11, but sometimes that doesn't happen. And it's like, oh, okay, this is what people do at night. Like I'll text people at like 3 a.m. and I'm surprised that they don't respond. And then I realize that not everybody is awake in the world. And, uh, you know, they'll text me back at like 8 a.m. the next morning. Like, why are you up at 3? I was like, I woke up and here I am. Sometimes I wake up and I just can't go back to bed. So, uh, but I want to tell you this morning that God has a rhythm. God can dance, okay? God's got moves. God's got skills. But more importantly than that, even from the point of creation, 
God instituted a specific rhythm to how things were to function. Listen, God has a rhythm. Everything has a rhythm. The universe has a rhythm. The planets in our solar system have a rhythm. The earth has a rhythm. Rhythm. The sea has a rhythm. The four seasons, except in Ohio, have a rhythm. Our bodies have a rhythm. Our heart has a rhythm. Our lungs have a rhythm. There is rhythm to everything. Listen, as you look to establish your week, it's important, listen, to be, yes, productive, right? To work hard, to play hard. But I want to tell you this morning that it is equally, say equally, as important to rest. See, you might have thought that this sermon was about how can, he, how can Andrew get us to do more? But that's not what I'm actually advocating for this morning. I'm actually advocating this idea that God has called us on the regular to points and moments of rest in our life. Listen, rest is vital to us as believers. It's vital to our faith, to our ability to even accomplish the thing that God has placed in our hearts to do. And if we don't find moments of rest, we fall short at becoming the things and the people that God has called us to be. Because uh, just like the Snickers commercial, you're not you when you're hungry, right? Anybody get hangry? Right? Yeah, that's right. There's some hangry people. And if you don't feed me after church, it's a whole new person that comes out, right? But what else do you do after? Here's my Sunday rhythm, okay? We will leave here. And if we're not going out to eat with somebody, we'll grab something to eat. And then we will eat it, and I will eat it quickly, and then I will send my kids to the room to take naps. And I don't know what happens if they do that or not, but I know (laughs) that my game plan is to, uh, especially during football season, is to attempt to watch the Browns, get disappointed, and then, (laughs) right, and then fall asleep. Why? Because my body needs rest to function well, right? And some of the stupidest things we do as people and some of the stupidest things we say as Christians often happen when we have not had adequate rest in our life, right? You know, the Americanization of our culture has this idea that all we're supposed to do is work, 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 work from home. I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) Some of you got it, right? And we're not supposed to stop. But we miss the mark when we don't allow our body, our soul, and our spirit, man, to have adequate time to recharge. I want to read to you this morning out of Genesis chapter 1, very front of the Bible. It'll be on the screens for you also. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Very familiar uh, Verses in scripture, right? It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and the dark and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the spirit of God was moving on the surface of the waters, right? So in those few verses, God is communicating to us through his word that he is the creator of everything that we see and that we have, right? I don't think that's in dispute this morning, but that God, when he thought about creating humanity, the earth, the galaxies, the souls, everything we've come to know, and even the things we don't yet know, he thought, you know what, this is what I want it to look like. And as he thought about it, he began to speak it 
into existence. He spoke the earth and the planets and the galaxy and the cosmos, right? He spoke uh, 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 the, the, the fish in the sea and the birds in the air and the sky. And everything that you see, he spoke it and he created it and brought it into existence, right? Everybody good with that, right? And so now we jump over to Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And this is what we discover. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in, uh, in all their hosts. And it says that by the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done, right? And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. And I want you to pay particularly close attention to the next few sentences. It says, that then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it, in it, he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. So in Genesis chapter two, verses one through three, it is the culmination of the six days that God took to create everything that we see and have. Right, And there is dispute over, was that six 24-hour days? Was, was a day as a thousand years and a thousand years? Is that, it doesn't matter. He's eternal and he lives outside of time. So the passage of time to him is of no consequence. He just did what, did what he wanted to do when he wanted to do it. Amen? But the point that scripture is trying to make is that there was a time for work to be done, right? There were six days of work that needed to be done. And that's what God used. And then God realized, you know what? This was a lot of stuff, right? This wasn't a small undertaking. This was a big deal. I could probably use a nap, right? And it says that on the seventh day, God rested from all of the work he had done, right? But then it, can, it goes on to say, it doesn't say that he blessed day one, two, three, four, five. Those were the days of the work. Rather, he blessed the seventh day, and he sanctified it, or he set it apart. Because in it, he rested from all the work which he had done to create and, and do everything that he had made, right? And here's the point this morning. Is that God, who is the creator of everything, right, valued rest so much that he blessed that day and he set it apart. There was a distinction made through scripture for us as the reader to be aware, made aware of so that we could pattern our life appropriately because if it was, listen, if it's important to him, right, then it should be important to us, right? If he thought that it was necessary for himself as God, right, then it should be of the utmost important to us as his creation, right? But sometimes we get it backwards, and we're going to talk a little bit about that here in a few minutes. Sometimes we think that the only way we can please God is by doing things for God. And listen, I'm not telling you this morning not to serve or not to give your time or not to invest. I'm not telling you this morning. But I want you to understand that in that, it doesn't make him love you any more than he already does. God loves you, the Bible says, with an everlasting love. The New Testament teaches this idea that there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. There's no indication ever given in Scripture where there's, there is a, a maximum to God's love or there's this ability to earn more of it through what we do. Yeah. 
But rather, there is an acceptance on the part of the believer to receive God's love apart from anything we would ever do to try to earn it. Does that make sense this morning? So we have this pattern in Scripture, you know, six days and then one day. You know, the word rest in the original Hebrew language literally means to cease and desist from the work of one's hands. It literally means stop doing it, disconnect from it, and allow your body, soul, and spirit to rest. I will tell you this morning that physical rest, the right, is for the physical body. But there's this thing we're going to talk about called Sabbath rest, which is for the spirit. Right? There's a rest that not just recharges you physically, but also replenishes you spiritually. And if you don't find adequate Sabbath rest, then when you go to give something in the place of ministry to somebody, guess what? You're not going to have it to give them. Because you never took the time to be refilled from the point of rest. Does this make sense this morning? Listen, there are benefits to spiritual rest. Having rhythm of rest invites us, this is what it does, it invites us to stop, to reflect, to give thanks, and to refuel for the next moment, right? Something I had to learn growing up uh, in ministry even was to celebrate the small victories in my life. My personality is that when, you know, it's this constant moving forward and on to the next thing, right? That's kind of how I'm wired. I don't settle in one place or one idea or one venture for too long. And so I'm always constantly moving. That was good. We did that. Now let's go to the next thing. And the Holy Spirit had to convict my heart. He had to stop me, and he had to point out that you're not adequately celebrating where I've brought you to. You're just floating or, or, or pushing beyond it. And so there are moments where I have to stop and say, you know what? Yesterday, God, I was this, but today you brought me to this place. Or even from a place of ministry, God, yesterday, you know, last Sunday we were this, but over the course of the week, we got better, and that's a victory that we're going to celebrate, right? That's how we have to look at this. See, this Listen, this idea of rest is the invite of Christ to us. You know, there are several stories, and we're, we're going to talk about some of them here in a moment. In the New Testament, where we find Jesus slipping away from people, from moments of chaos, from uh, over, overwhelming situations. And you know what he does? Oftentimes we discover that Jesus would slip away and he would go pray and he would go spend time with his father and he would rest so he could be replenished because he knew that there was more to come from his life. I want to give you a few of those this morning. I was like, there we go, fix this. See, Jesus rested after periods of victory. For taking notes this morning. Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 23 tell us this. It says, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. 
After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. Jesus had just completed this incredible moment of victory in his ministry. He had ministered and he had poured himself out. And he's like, listen, I just need a minute, right? Anybody ever just need a minute? It's like, if if I don't get away from you, I'm going to drop kick you. I get it. I completely understand it. We're human. There's a guy right now in Charlotte at the airport that <laughs> I'll get. I'll tell you a story here in a little while. But there's a guy in the Charlotte airport right now. I was just flying back from Houston from a conference, and I, I'm just gonna be honest. I, I didn't have Jesus in my heart at that moment because he was driving me insane, and it was all I had. It was best that I moved away from this man that was working the American Airlines ticket counter in Charlotte. Because he was not helpful to me. And I may have communicated to him that I needed him to be helpful. <laughs> and I don't know that it was always in the most kind way. But anyways, Jesus has this moment. He just fed the 5,000. Like he had just done this incredible supernatural miracle. He's depleted. He's poured himself out. Remember, he's fully God, but he's also fully man. right? And he's poured himself out. And he's like, just like, get in the boat and go. Right? He's like, I'll finish cleaning up, whatever. I'll vacuum. And he dismissed the crowd. He's like, all right, I fetch you all. You can go. Right? And the Bible says that he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. And it says that he was there alone. Because sometimes you just got to get alone. And that's okay. The second thing we discover is... Jesus rested before and after making major decisions. You want to know the most dangerous time to make a life-changing decision? Is when you're tired, right? When you're hungry, when you're tired. Those are kind of like, don't, 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 don't talk finances, don't talk communication with your, don't do those things if you haven't had adequate sleep, right? And Jesus modeled this for us in Luke chapter 6, 12 and 13. This is what he said. It says it was that this time that he went off to the mountain to pray. And he spent the whole night in prayer to God. And when, he, when day came, he called his disciples to him and he chose 12 of them whom he also named as apostles. Right? So there was a decision that Jesus needed to make with regard to who am I going to distinguish as, as kind of my authoritative followers that would then go on to help lead the remaining disciples. And Jesus had a decision to make. But before Jesus made a snap decision, he's like, I think I'll just pick you 12. Right? That would have been disastrous. But the Bible says that he went and he prayed and he got alone. It was all night. Remember, we're talking about refilling yourself, right? We're talking about a rest that recharges. And it says that after he had done that, he's like, okay, I got a good night's sleep. I prayed to my father. I have a clarity in my mind. I'm focused. Then he summoned the the, the disciples, and and he he chose the 12 of them. Right? Don't make a decision, especially a major decision, if you've not rested. Jesus rested after a heavy period of ministry. Mark chapter 6, 30 and 32 says this. 
It says, the apostles gathered together with Jesus, and they reported to him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. For there were many people coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. They went away in the boat to a secluded place by themselves. Right? Because here's why. People are needy, and that's okay. And people want access to our lives, and that's okay. But if all, we're ever, all you're ever doing is giving, 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 eventually the storehouse of your spirit, man, will run out, and you won't have anything left to give. And in this, this particular passage of Scripture, these disciples, these followers, had been ministering to the needs of people. Listen, every place that Jesus went, right, People gathered and they came out. They would be carrying sick people. Beggars would, would look to get access to Jesus. The needy, the hurting, the, 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 the impoverished, all of these people would gather because they had heard the rumors of what Jesus had been doing in the other areas that he was a part of. And so they would flock to him and they, these disciples and Jesus would start ministering. And hour upon hour upon hour would go by. Right? And Jesus finally looks and says, look, we got to get out of here for a little bit because you don't have much left in the tank, right? And there are people that need us, sure, but if we don't have something to offer them, then they're going to go away broken. Does that make sense? This one was my favorite one. Jesus rested when he had enough of people. Right. I will tell you this morning that church is not the, the is not the the create a nice building business. Church is a people oriented institution, right? But with that comes people's struggles and their cares and their needs and, and and the things that they're dealing with, right? And there's this idea that we're supposed to always have the solution. And and, and in part, Jesus is that ultimate solution. But when we haven't rested from the busyness of life, right, we are unaware of what we are to do when it comes to reaching people. And there's just sometimes, I'll be honest with you this morning, there's sometimes that people will frustrate you. Does anybody know anybody in their life that frustrates them? Some of you are only raising your hand slightly, it could be the person sitting next to you. I don't know. <laughs> right? But there are people that frustrate us. There are coworkers that frustrate us. There's always that person that's standing there just waiting to unload weekend problems on you first thing Monday morning before the cup of coffee has had a chance to kick in. Right? Yeah, you get it. You know. And you've, you, inside, you fantasize about how do I just right here in the throat? Because you know. And I understand. It's okay. We're human. But there were moments where Jesus was like, look, people, I'm just, get, just go, right? I love you. I'm about to die for you. I'm about to pour it all out. Like, I'm, it's, I'm the solution. But right now, you're too much, right? That they're, they're just people who are extra sometimes, and that's okay. We love them because Jesus loves them. But it says that Jesus got up, this is Mark chapter 7, verse 24, got up and went away from there to the region of Tyre, and he went and he entered a house. He wanted no one to know of it, right? He's like, please don't tell anybody I'm here. Yet, 
he could not escape notice. Why? Because Jesus, people are always drawn to Jesus, and that's beautiful. That last, I got to keep moving this morning. Jesus also took time off when he faced an intimidating task. Luke chapter 22, verse 41. It says that he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down, and he began to pray. In this particular passage, Jesus is in the garden at Gethsemane, <coughs> excuse me, and he's about to face the cross. And he understood that in this moment, in this situation, the best thing I can do is get away, refocus, and rest so that I can walk through this difficult thing that I'm about to do. I will tell you this morning that Jesus always shows us a better way, right? But if we're honest this morning, rest can be a challenge for us because the thing that we have this tendency to do is we wrap up our identity in what we do and what we accomplish. You know, a lot of people refer to themselves by their profession, right? Well, I'm, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I'm a pastor, I'm a mechanic, right? And, and, and even in small talk conversations, it always seems to turn to what do you do for a living? How do you make your money? Why? Because we wrap our identity in what we do and what we accomplish because we believe that that's where success comes from, right? I want to tell you this morning that who you are is not found in what you do. Rather, who you are is found in whose you are. I'm just going to say that again. TBN should be listening. Who you are is not found in what you do. Right? That's not who God created. God didn't create you and said, I just created another lawyer. There they are into the world. God said, no, I created a beautiful child who is fearfully and wonderfully made. I numbered every hair on their head. I called them and I appointed them and I'm using them to impact the world. They belong to me because they were sent from me. And in that, that's the identity is connected to me and not what they do. Does that make sense this morning? But too often, we wrap ourselves up in this is what I do, and this is how I have to get ahead, and this is how I get to the next level in the next promotion. And in the doing of that, we kill ourselves to get there at the sacrifice of our friends, our family, our church, and the other beautiful things that God has created for us to have on the earth. It's dangerous because... God forbid if that thing is ever stripped away from us, if that title of doctor, lawyer, pastor, garbage man, uh, realtor, or whatever thing it's wrapped in is stripped away, then we're left scratching our head wondering, who was I anyways? And all along, God's saying, sitting up there in heaven saying, you're my child. You belong to me. I sent my son to die for you. Stop striving to impress. You know you can't impress God. You can't make God like more proud of you than he already is. You can't win the approval of God. You already have it. Right? You can't make him love you more. He loves you completely. You know, I dropped my daughter off at school uh, on uh, five days a week because I, I go to the office right after. And we have this thing that we do right, where she picks a number. She's like, Dad, I love you 8,000. And I'm like, well, honey, I love you 10,000. Right? Trying to one-up her. But with God, 
God's like, I love you. And he doesn't have to give a number because it's the complete love that we walk in. Does that make sense this morning? See, there's a quote by a guy named Gordon Dahl. And this is what he wrote. He wrote, most middle-class Americans tend to worship their work. They tend to work at their play. And they tend to play at their worship. They tend to worship their work to work at their play, and to play at their worship. And as a result, their meanings and values are distorted. This is what he said. Their relationships disintegrate faster than they can keep them in repair, and their lifestyles resemble a cast of characters in search of a plot. Or to keep with our metaphor, this is what he says, their lifestyles resemble a song in dire need of rhythm. And what he's saying is that unless you bring balance to the areas of your life and you start to rest, you will eventually lose sight of the things that are important and valuable. I want to get ready to wrap this thing up with you this morning. Hope, hope this is speaking to you. I will tell you this morning, listen, in a world that is constantly on the go, Right? It's labeled the microwave generation because if we have to wait more than 35 seconds for it, we're upset about it. Anybody ever get upset in the drive-thru? <laughs> right? It's already quicker than the normal restaurant, but my goodness, if I got to wait for that shamrock shake, right? and do not tell me, McDonald's, your ice cream machine is broken. Right? How you going to advertise something with ice cream and be like, I'm so sorry, our ice cream maker's down. You better get back there and start churning me some ice cream right? Thank you. You can't just do, you can't, can't do it to me. I, I don't get milkshakes often, but when I do, I want my shamrock shake. March is the milkshake time, right? Our ice cream makers, you better get some from Sparkle. Right? <laughs> so when we live in this world that's on the go, we have devices that keep information at our fingertips all of the time. We scroll, we update. We, anybody ever do that thing where you, you just want to update and it spins? It's like, come on, I need to know what's going on. I know it was 34 seconds ago, but I know something changed in the world, right? Our attention spans are, are getting less and less, right? Because there's all these things vying for our attention. And in all of that, I will tell you that rest is not an option. Resting in God's presence, disconnecting from the hustle and bustle of the world, from the problems at the office or the job or the home, are essential to accomplishing everything God called you to do. Why? Because bad things happen when we don't get enough rest. Rick Ezel writes, in the Challenger space shuttle disaster, key NASA officials made the ill-fated decision to go ahead with the launch after working 20 hours straight and getting only two to three hours of sleep the night before. Their error in judgment cost the lives of seven astronauts and nearly killed the U.S. space program. When we ignore our need for rest and renewal, we do so at the peril of others and of ourselves. Because you're not you when you're tired. New slogan. Tom, if you want to come play. Listen, I'll give you four real quick things. Allowing your body, soul, and spirit to rest does these four things. 
It repositions you on where you are to go and what you are to be doing, right? Because sometimes we get a little bit off track and, and, and we, we kind of start getting into the world and into the flesh. And if we thought more about it, we would say, you know, I was, I was tired. I hadn't been getting sleep. I had so much on my mind. I, was, I had worry and I had anxiety. And I just, you know, my mind was churning. I couldn't sleep. And we end up doing something stupid. So when we get that rest, what it does is it repositions us on the road. And it repositions us towards what matters most. Right? The second thing it does is it reconnects you on what is most important in your life, your relationship with God and the family that he's given you. At the end of the day, those are the things that matter. Right? You can store up money. If you have some, we need some, so thank you. <laughs> right? But you can store it. Or you can have nice things. Like, it's okay to want nice things. None of that's wrong. But at the end of the day, that's not going with you, right? It stays here. You can leave it to us in your will. Rock of Grace Warren Campus. Third thing it does is it re-energizes you to keep moving towards what God has called you to do and for his kingdom. It also re-energizes you as a, as a husband, as a wife, as a parent. You know, sometimes I'll come home from a busy day and I'll, I'll look at my kids and say, hey, I just need a few minutes. I seem to just rest and gather my thoughts. And I find that when I do do that, I'm a better parent. I'm more focused. I'm less, less short-tempered. Right? So it re-energizes me. And lastly, it refocuses things. It puts things in the right perspective. But you know what? It could be worse. It's not as bad as I thought it to be. But when we're depleted, everything looks like it's going to blow up. But when we rest and we refocus, we re-energize, we reconnect, what we discover. So you know what? It's not as bad as I thought. I can focus now on what I need to do. And I will remind you this morning, that, listen, if God needed to rest after creating the earth, how much more important should rest be for you and for me? Rest is not laziness. It's not inactivity even. It's not just lying around on the couch eating potato chips even though sometimes I enjoy doing that. Actually, I like Doritos. Amen. Those will be in heaven with Chick-fil-A. You know we're eating God's chicken, right? Close on Sundays. They rest. <laughs> Hobby Lobby, we're all making crafts up there. Here's the point this morning. Sometimes rest is, is the physical act of sleeping and laying down and resting. Sometimes it's finding a hobby that excites you and replenishes you. I play disc golf. Some call it frisbee golf. Some call it froth, and they make fun of me. Thanks, honey. We th I throw frisbees through woods into metal baskets. That's basically what it is, and it's fun. But it, it, it gives me a chance to think. It gives me a chance to hang out with people sometimes or do it by myself or, or take my son out there who tells me every time, you know, hey, Daddy, I'll walk all 18 holes with you. I said, yeah, you, sure you will. Four holes in, I'm carrying him. I'm like, all right. It's a good workout, right? Sometimes it's reading. Sometimes it's praying. It's up to you to find the thing that replenishes you and understand that that may be different than what replenishes me. But it's to reprioritize the schedule and to say, you know what? I'm better after I rest. 
I'm more useful in the kingdom after I rest. I'm a better husband or, or wife or, or, or spouse or, uh, after I've rested. I'm a better minister. I'm more patient after I rest. There's so much beauty when we just step back and rest, right? Remember the rhythm in scripture. It was For God, it was six days of work and play. And he rested on the seventh. And he blessed it. There is blessing that comes when you rest. Your body needs it. Your family needs it. Your spiritual life needs it. Stand to your feet this morning. I'm going to pray. I'm going to give you a minute just to worship Jesus. Because look, we're talking all the rest of this month about rhythms. And this is a rhythm for your week. Yes, I want you to work. Yes, I want you to play. If you got a boat and the weather gets nice, invite me on it. Right? I don't wear Speedos, so we're good. Amen. Thank you. I want you to do all those things. Go to movies. Go, go on. Do all of that. Work hard. Play hard. And then rest. Don't forsake church. Because this is one of the things that bring rest and refuels us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name this morning, we love you. Well, we thank you that you created us in rhythms. Our heartbeat has a rhythm this morning. Our instruments that we play have rhythms. Our, uh, the, the earth and the world in which we live in has a rhythm to it. So, Lord, we just receive that idea and we say yes to rest that our identity is not found in what we do and how much we make and how hard we strive. But Lord, it's found in you because we belong to you because you loved us first. You sent Jesus to die for us. Lord, we know that when we don't rest, sometimes we get ourselves into trouble and we do stupid stuff. We say stupid stuff and we find ourselves in places that we have no business being. But Lord, when we rest, we know that there's a refocus, a repositioning, a re-energizing. There's a clarity that comes through it. So Lord, we just say, help us this morning to reprioritize, to, to understand that we need to rest. If you enjoyed today's message, there are a couple things I would love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also help us reach others by investing today by going to give.rockofgrace.org. And thanks again for joining us on the Rock of Grace Warren podcast.